Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 36 through 37 and in the previous episode we read chapters 34 and 35 and we finally see Frank have a heartfelt conversation after trying to sneak into the uh to into his grandmother's house after having to summon uh Gray the uh ghost army man uh after he uh annihilated uh, the ogres some of the ogres blocking their entrance toward the house and once they got in frank got to have a heartful conversation with his grandmother and also surprisingly aries for some time and also found out that his grandmother is nearing her last moments so they tried to have a heartfelt conversation with each other um before uh frank has to go out and save and defeat the ogres so and they also try to have a conversation bet- on what their family gift is because Frank still has no clue and I'm pretty sure now still has no clue what exactly his family gift is. But I don't know, it might have to do with something related to shape-shifting because if we remember in the previous episode, uh, Frank's grandmother talked about how I believe is the Prince of Pylos who could literally turn into anything and when you can literally turn into anything that's basically shape-shifting so but it still seems like frank is a tad bit confused on what exactly his family gift is so maybe maybe hopefully it comes out maybe his uh, power just comes out when he's in the middle of fighting the ogres and he'll finally be able to find out what his gift is so we'll read chapter 30 uh, 36 and we'll see how this goes chapter 36 frank frank took the quickest possible shower put on the clothes hazel had set out an olive green shirt with beige cargo pants really then grabbed his spare bow and quiver and bounded up the attic stairs the attic was full of weapons his family had collected enough ancient armaments to supply an army shields spears and quivers of arrows hung along one wall almost as many as in the camp jupiter armory Had mounted and loaded, ready for action. At the front window stood something that looked like a machine gun with a cluster of barrels. Rocket launcher? He wondered aloud. Nope, nope, said a voice from the corner. Potatoes. Ella doesn't like potatoes. The harpy had made a nest for herself between two old steamer trunks. She was sitting in a pile of Chinese scrolls, reading seven or eight at once. Ella, Frank said, where are the others? Ruff! She glanced upward and returned to her reading, alternately picking at her feathers and turning pages. Ruff! Ogre watching. Ella doesn't like ogres. Potatoes. Potatoes? Frank didn't understand until he swiveled the machine gun around. Its eight barrels were loaded with spuds. At the base of the gun, a basket was filled with more edible ammunition. He looked out the window, the same window his mom had watched him from when he, would, when he had met the bear. Down in the yard, the ogres were milling around, shoving each other, occasionally yelling at the house, and throwing bronze cannonballs that exploded in midair. They have cannonballs, Frank said. And we have a potato gun. Starch, Alyssa thoughtfully. Starch is bad for ogres. The house shook from another explosion. Frank needed to see the roof and see how Percy and Hazel were doing, but he felt bad leaving Ella alone. He knelt next to her careful not to get too close ella it's not safe here with the ogres we're going to be flying to alaska soon will you come with us ella twitched uncomfortably 
Alaska, 626,425 square miles. State mammal, the moose. Suddenly, she switched to Latin, which Frank could barely just follow thanks to his classes at Camp Jupiter. To the north beyond the gods lies the legion's crown. Falling from ice, the sun of Neptune shall drown. She stopped and scratched her disheveled hair, red hair. Hmm, burned. The rest is burned. Frank could hardly breathe. Ella, was... was that a prophecy? Where did you read that? Moose, Ella said, savoring the word. Moose, moose, moose. The house shook again. Dust rained down from the rafters. Outside, an ogre bellowed. Frank Zank, show yourself. Nope, Ella said. Frank shouldn't. Nope. Just stay here, okay? Frank said. I've got to go help Hazel and Percy. He pulled down the ladder to the roof. Morning, Percy said grimly. Beautiful day, huh? He wore the same clothes as the day before. Jeans, his purple t-shirt, and polar check jacket. But they'd obviously been freshly washed. He held his sword in one hand and a garden hose in the other. Why there was a garden hose on the roof? Frank wasn't sure. But every time the, every time the giant set up a cannonball, Percy summoned a high-powered blast of water and detonated the spear in midair. Then Frank remembered. His family dis- was descended from Poseidon, too. Grandmother had said their house had been attacked before. Maybe they had put a, up a hose here for just that reason. Hazel patrolled the window's walk between the between the widow's walk between the two attic gables. She looked so good it made Frank's chest hurt. She wore jeans, a cream-colored jacket, and a white shirt that made her skin look like look as warm as cocoa. Her curly hair fell around her shoulders. When she came close, Frank could smell the jasmine shampoo. She gripped her sword when she glanced at Frank. Her eyes flashed with concern. Are you okay? She asked, why are you smiling? Oh, uh, nothing, he managed. Thanks for breakfast. And the clothes? And not hating me? Hazel looked baffled. Why would I hate you? Frank's face burned. He wished he'd kept his mouth shut, but it was too late now. Don't let her get away, his grandmother said. You need strong woman. It's just... Last night, he stammered, when I summoned the skeleton, I thought, I thought that you thought I was being repulsive or something. Hazel raised her eyebrows. She shook her head in dismay. Frank, maybe I was surprised. Maybe I was scared of that thing, but repulsed? The way you commanded it, so confident in everything. Like, oh, by the way, guys, I have this all-powerful Spartus we can use. I couldn't believe it. I wasn't repulsed, Frank. I was impressed. Frank wasn't sure he heard her right. You were impressed. By me? Percy laughed. Dude, it was pretty amazing. Honest? Frank asked. Honest, Hazel promised. But right now, we have other problems to worry about, okay? She gestured at the army of ogres, who were getting increasingly bold, shuffling closer and closer to the house. Percy readied the garden hose. I've got one more trick up my sleeve. Your lawn has a sprinkler system. I can blow it up and cause some confusion down there, but that'll destroy your water pressure. 
No pressure, no hose. Those cannonballs are going to plow right into the house. Hazel's praise was still ringing in Frank's ears, making it difficult to think. Dozens of ogres were camped on his lawn, waiting to tear him apart, and Frank could barely control the urge to grin. Hazel didn't hate him. She was impressed. He forced himself to concentrate. He remembered what his grandmother had told him about the nature of his gift, and how he had to leave her here to die. You've got a role to play, Marzit said. Frank couldn't believe he was Juno's secret weapon, or that this big prophecy of the Seven depended on him. But Hazel and Percy were counting on him. He had to do his very best. He thought that about that weird partial prophecy of Ella, Ella had recited in the attic about the son of Neptune drowning. You don't understand her true value, Phineas had told him in Portland. The old blind man had thought that controlling Ella would make him a king. All these puzzle pieces swirled around in Frank's mind. He got the feeling that when they finally connected, they would create a picture he didn't like. Guys, I've got an escape plan. He told his friend about the plane waiting at the air- airfield and his grandmother's note for the pilot. He's a legion vet- veteran. He'll help us. But Arian's not back, Hazel said. And what about your grandmother? We can't just leave her. Frank choked back a sob. Maybe... Maybe Arian will find us. As for my grandmother... She was pretty clear. She said be okay. It wasn't exactly the truth, but it was as much as Frank could manage. There's another problem, Percy said. I'm not good with air travel. It's dangerous for a son of Neptune. You'll have to risk it. And so will I, Frank said. By the way, we're related. Percy almost stumbled off the roof. What? Frank gave them the five-second version. Paris... I'm so sorry. Paris Lomenis, ancestor on my mom's side, Argonaut, grandson of Poseidon. Hazel's mouth fell open. You're a, a descendant of Neptune? Frank, that's crazy. Yeah, and there's this ability my, mo- my family has, supposedly, but I don't know how to use it. If I can't figure it out. Another massive cheer went up from the Lastragonians. Frank realized that they were staring up at him, pointing and waving and laughing. They had spotted their breakfast. Zang! They yelled. Zang! Hazel stepped closer to him. They keep doing that. Why are they yelling your name? Never mind, Frank said. Listen, we've got to protect Ella. Take her with us. Of course, Hazel said. The poor thing needs our help. No, Frank said. I I mean, yes, but it's not just that. She recited a prophecy downstairs. I think I think it was about this quest. He didn't want to tell Percy the bad news about a son of Neptune drowning, but he repeated the lines. Percy's jaw tightened. I don't know how a son of Neptune can drown. I can breathe underwater, but the crown of the lesion... That's got to be the eagle, Hazel said. Percy nodded. And Ella recited something like this once before in Portland... A line from the old great prophecy? The what? Frank asked. Tell you later. Percy turned his garden hose and shot another cannonball out of the sky. It exploded in an orange fireball. The ogres clapped with appreciation and yelled, Pretty! Pretty! The thing is, Frank said, 
Ella remembers everything she reads. She said something about the page being burned, like she read a damaged text of prophecies. Hazel's eyes widened. Burned books of prophecy? You don't think... But that's impossible! The books Octavian wanted back at camp? Percy guessed. Hazel whistled under her breath. The lost sibling books that outlined the entire destiny of Rome. If Ella actually read a copy and memorized it, then she's the most valuable harpy in the world, Frank said. No wonder Phineas wanted to capture her. Frank Zang! An ogre shouted from below. He was bigger than the rest, wearing a lion's cape and like a Roman standard bearer, standard bearer and a plastic bib with a lobster on it. Come down, son of Mars. We've been waiting for you. Come, be our honored guest. Hazel gripped Frank's arms. Why do I get the feeling that honored guest means the same thing as dinner? Frank wished Mars were still here. There. He could use somebody to snap his fingers and make his battle jitters go away. Hazel believes in me, he thought. I can do this. He looked at Percy. Can you drive? Sure. Why? Grandmother's car is in the garage. It's an old Cadillac. The thing is like a tank. If you can get it started, we'll still have to break through a line of ogres, Hazel said. The sprinkler system, Percy said. Use it as a distraction? Exactly, Frank said. I'll buy you as much time as I can. Get Ella and get in the car. I'll try to meet you in the garage, but don't wait for me. Percy frowned. Frank, give us your answer, Frank Zang, the ogre yelled up. Come down and we will spare the others. Your friends, your poor old granny. We only want you. They're lying, Percy muttered. Yeah, I got that. Frank agreed. Go! His friends, friends ran for the ladder. Frank tried to control the beating of his heart. He grinned and yelled, Hey, down there, who's hungry? The ogres cheered as Frank paced along the widow's walk and waved like a rock star. Frank tried to summon his family power. He imagined himself as a fire-breathing dragon. He strained and clenched his fist and thought about dragons so hard, beads of sweat popped up on his forehead. He wanted to sweep down on the enemy and destroy them. That would be extremely cool. But nothing happened. He had never even seen a real dragon. For a panicky moment, he wondered if Grandmother had played some sort of cruel joke on him. Maybe he'd misunderstood the gift. Maybe Frank was the only member of the family who hadn't inherited it. That would just be his luck. The ogres started to become restless. The cheering turned to catcalls. A few lost Dragonians hefted their cannonballs. Hold on, Frank yelled. You don't want to charm me, do you? I won't taste very good that way. Calm down, they yelled. Hungry! Time for plan B. Frank just wished he had one. Do you promise to spare my friends? Frank asked. Do you swear on the river Styx? The ogres laughed. One threw a cannonball that arced arced over Frank's head and blew up the chimney. By some miracle, Frank wasn't hit with shrapnel. I'll take that as a no, he muttered. Then he shot it down. Okay, fine. You win. I'll be right down. Wait there. 
The ogres cheered, but their leader in the lion's skin cape scowled suspiciously. Frank wouldn't have much time. He descended the ladder into the attic. Ella was gone. He hoped that was a good sign. Maybe they'd gotten her to the Cadillac. He grabbed an extra quiver of arrows labeled assorted varieties in his mother's neat printing. Then he ran to the machine gun. He swiveled the barrel, took aim at the lead ogre, and pressed the trigger. Eight high-powered spuds blasted the giant in the chest, propelling him backward with such force that he crashed into a stack of bronze cannonballs, which promptly exploded, leaving a smoking crater in the yard. Apparently, starch was bad for ogres. While the rest of the monsters ran around in confusion, Frank pulled his bow and rained arrows on them. Some of the missiles detonated on impact, others splintered like buckshot and left the giants with some painful new tattoos. One hit an ogre and instantly turned him into a potted rosebush bush. Unfortunately, the ogres recovered quickly. They began throwing cannonballs, dozens at a time. The whole house groaned under the impact. Frank ran for the stairs, the attic disintegrated behind him. Smoke and fire poured down the second floor hallway. "'Grandmother!' he cried, but the heat was so intense he couldn't reach her room. He raced to the ground floor, clinging to the banister as the house shook and huge clunks, chunks of the ceiling collapsed. The base of the staircase was a smoking crater. He leaped over and stumbled through the kitchen, choking from the ash and a suit. He burst into the garage. The Cadillac's headlights were on. The engine was running and the garage door was opening. "'Get in!' Percy yelled." Frank dove in the back next to Hazel. Ella was curled up in the front, her head tucked under her wings, muttering, Yikes. 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 Percy gunned the engine. They shot out of the garage before it was fully open, leaving a Cadillac-shaped hole of splintered wood. The ogres ran to intercept, but Percy shouted at the top of his lungs and the irrigation system exploded. A hundred geysers shot into the air along with clouds of dirt, pieces of pipe, and very heavy sprinkler heads. The Cadillac was going about 40 when they hit the first ogre, who disintegrated on impact. By the time the other monsters overcame their confusion, the Cadillac was already a mile down the road. Flaming cannonballs burst behind, behind them. Frank glanced back and saw his family mansion on fire, the walls collapsing inward and smoke billowing into the sky. He saw a large black speck, maybe a buzzard, circling up from the fire. It might have been Frank's imagination, but he thought it had flown out of the second-story window. Grandmother? he murmured. It seemed impossible, but she had promised she would die in her own way, not at the hands of the ogres. Frank hoped she had been right. They drove through the woods and headed north. About three miles, Frank said. You can't miss it. Behind them, more explosions ripped through the forest. Smoke boiled into the sky. How fast can Lashdragonians run? Hazel asked. Let's not find out, Percy said. The gates of the airfield appeared before them, only a few hundred yards away. A private jet idled on the runway. Its stairs were down. The Cadillac hit a pothole and went airborne. Frank's head slammed into the ceiling when the wheels touched the ground. Percy floored the brakes and they swerved to a stop just inside the gates. Frank climbed and out, out and drew his bow. Get to the plane, they're coming! The Lashagonians were closing in with alarming speed. The first line of ogres burst out of the woods and barreled toward the airfield. 500 yards away, 
400 yards away. Percy and Hazel Hazel managed to get Ella out of the Cadillac, but as soon as the harpy saw the airplane, she began to shriek. No, 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 she yelped. Fly with wings. No airplanes. It's okay, Hazel promised. We'll protect you. Hazel, Ella made a horrible, painful wail like she was being burned. Percy held up his hands in his exasperation. What do we do? We can't force her. No, Frank agreed. The ogres were 300 yards out. She's too valuable to leave behind, Hazel said. Then she winced at her own words. Gods, I'm so sorry, Ella. I sound as bad as Phineas. You're a living thing, not a treasure. No planes. No, 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 no planes. Ella was hyperventilating. The ogres were almost in throwing distance. Percy's eyes lit up. I've got an idea. Ella, can you hide in the woods? Will you be safe from the ogres? Hide, she agreed. Safe. Hiding is good for harpies. Ella is quick and small and fast. Okay, Percy said. Just stay around this area. I can send a friend to meet you and take you to Camp Jupiter. Frank unslung his bow and knocked an arrow. A friend? Percy waved his hand in a tell-you-later gesture. Ella, would you like that? Would you like my friend to take you to Camp Jupiter and show you our home? Camp. Ella muttered, then in Latin. Wisdom's daughter walks alone. The mark of Athena burns through Rome. Uh, right, Percy said. That sounds important, but we can talk about that later. You'll be safe at camp. All the books and food you want. No planes, she insisted. No planes, Percy agreed. Ella will hide now. And just like that, she was gone. A red streak disappearing into the woods. I'll miss her, Hazel said sadly. We'll see her again, Percy promised. But he frowned uneasily as if he were really troubled by that last bit of prophecy. The thing about Athena. An explosion sent the airfield's gate spinning into the air. Frank tossed his grandmother's letter to Percy. Show that to the pilot. Show him your letter from Reina too. We've got to take off now. Percy nodded. He and Hazel ran for the plane. Frank took cover behind the Cadillac and started firing at the ogres. He targeted the largest clump of enemies and shot a tulip-shaped arrow, just as he'd hoped. It was a hydra. Ropes lashed out like squid tentacles, and the entire front row of ogres plowed first into the dirt. Frank heard the plane's engines rev. He shot three more arrows as fast as he could, blasting enormous craters in the ogres' ranks. The survivors were only a hundred yards away, and some of the brighter ones stumbled to a stop, realizing they were now within hurling range. Frank! Hazel shrieked. Come on! A fiery cannonball hurtled toward him in a slow arc. Frank knew instantly it was going to hit the plane. He knocked an arrow. I can do this, he thought. He let the arrow fly. It intercepted the cannonball mid-air, detonating a massive fireball. Another two cannonballs sailed toward him. Frank ran. Behind him, metal groaned as the Cadillac exploded. He dove into the plane just as the stairs started to rise. The pilot must have understood the situation just fine. There was no safety announcement, no pre-flight drink, and no waiting for clearance. He pushed the throttle and the plane shot down the runway. Another blast ripped through the runway behind them, but they were in the air. Frank looked down and saw the airstrip riddled with craters like a piece of burning Swiss cheese. Swaths of Lynn Canyon Park were on fire. A few miles to the south, a swirling pyre of flames and black smoke was all that remained of the Zhang family mansion. 
so much for Frank being impressive. He'd failed to save his grandmother. He'd failed to use his powers. He hadn't even saved their harpy friend. When Vancouver disappeared in the clouds below, Frank buried his head in his hands and started to cry. The plane banged to the left. Over the intercom, the pilot's voice said, Senatus Populus Romanus, my friends. Welcome aboard. Next stop, Anchorage, Alaska. And that's the end of chapter 37. I have a strong feeling that Frank's grandma is still alive because, as stated previously, they that mansion already faced a lot of attacks. So, in the event that the mansion did collapse, I'm pretty sure that the grandma made up some backup plans. And I really do hope she survived because the connection between Frank and his grandmother grew so much within, like, a matter of one chapter. It's just way too... I definitely don't want to see Frank's grandmother go out that early. I definitely want to see her be able to... uh, I want to see her survive and I want her to be able to help Frank out later on and continue to build that connection with each other because I feel like it was finally starting to get like the connection and Frank's love for the family was starting to become genuine and as genuine is what I mean his love and appreciation for his family increased he didn't really blame his family for being for anything or not as much compared to Mars um but yeah i think they their escape plan was brilliant we'll still have to see who this special friend of percy's is who's gonna pick ella up and take ella to camp jupiter but hopefully we'll find all about that after this ad break when we read chapter 37 so after the break i'll see you then And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter 37, Percy. Airplanes or cannibals? No contest. Percy would have preferred driving Grandma Zhang's Cadillac all the way to Alaska with fireball-throwing ogres on his trail rather than sitting in a luxury Gulf Stream. He'd flown before. The details were hazy, but he remembered a Pegasus named Blackjack. He'd even been in a plane once or twice. But a son of Neptune? Poseidon. Whatever didn't belong in the air. Every time the plane hit a spot of turbulence, Percy's heart raced, and he was sure Jupiter was slapping them around. He tried to focus as Frank and Hazel talked. Hazel was reassuring Frank that he'd done everything he could for his grandmother. Frank had saved them from the Lashragonians and gotten them out of Vancouver. He'd been incredibly brave. Frank kept his head down like he was ashamed to have been crying, but Percy didn't blame him. The poor guy had just lost his grandmother and seen his house go up in flames. As far as Percy was concerned, shedding a few tears about something like that didn't make you any less of a man. Especially when you had just fended off an army of ogres that just wanted to eat you for breakfast. Percy still couldn't get over the fact that Frank was a distant relative. Frank would be his, what, great times a thousand nephew? Too weird for words. Frank refused to explain exactly what his family gift was. But as they flew and flew north, Frank did tell them about his conversation with Mars the night before. He explained the prophecy Juno had issued when he was a baby, about his life being tied to a piece of firewood, and how he had asked Hazel to keep it for him. Some of that Percy had already figured out. Hazel and Frank had obviously shared some crazy experiences when they had blacked out together, and they made some sort of deal. 
It also explained why even now, out of habit, Frank kept checking his coat pocket and why he was so nervous around fire. Still, Percy couldn't imagine what kind of courage it had taken for Frank to embark on a quest, knowing that one small flame could snuff out his life. Frank, he said, I'm proud to be related to you. Frank's ears turned red. With his head lowered, his military haircut made a sharp black arrow pointing down. Juno has some plan for us. About the prophecy of the seven? Yeah, Percy grumbled. I didn't like her as Hera, and I don't like her any better as Juno. Hazel tucked her feet underneath her. She studied Percy with her luminescent golden eyes, and he wondered how she could be so calm. She was the youngest one on the quest, but she was always holding them together and comforting them. Now they, went, now they were flying to Alaska, where she had died once before. They would try to free Thanatos, who might take her back to the underworld, yet she didn't show any fear. It made Percy feel silly for being scared of airplane turbulence. You're a son of Poseidon, aren't you? She asked. You are a Greek demigod. Percy gripped his leather necklace. I started to remember in Portland, after the Gorgon's blood... It's been coming back to me, slowly, since then. There's another camp. Camp Half-Blood. Just saying the name made Percy feel warm inside. Good memories washed over him. The smell of strawberry fields and the warm summer sun. Fireworks lighting up the beach on the 4th of July. Satyrs playing panpipes at the nightly campfire. And a kiss at the bottom of the canoe lake. Hazel and Frank stared at him as though he'd slipped into another language. Another camp, Hazel repeated. A Greek camp, gods, if Octavian found out, he'd declare war, Frank said. He's always been sure the Greeks are out there plotting against us. He thought Percy was a spy. That's why Juno sent me, Percy said. Oh, I mean, not to spy. I, th I think it was some kind of exchange. Your friend Jason, I think he was sent to my camp. In my dreams, I saw a demigod that might have been him. He was working with some other demigods on this flying warship. I think they're coming to Camp Jupiter to help. Frank tapped nervously on the back of his seat. Mars said Juno wants to unite the Greeks and Romans to fight Gaia, but jeez, Greeks and Romans have a long history of bad blood. Hazel took a deep breath. That's probably why the gods have kept us apart this long. If a Greek warship appeared in the sky above Camp Jupiter and Reyna didn't know it was friendly... Yeah, Percy agreed. We've got to be careful how we explain this when we get back. If we get back, Frank said. Percy nodded reluctantly. I mean, I trust you guys. I hope you trust me. I feel, well, I feel as close as to you two as to any of my old friends at Camp Half-Blood. But with the other demigods at both camps, there's going to be a lot of suspicion. Hazel did have something he wasn't expecting. She leaned over and kissed him on the cheek. It was totally a sisterly kiss, but she smiled with such affection it warmed Percy right down to his feet. Of course we trust you, she said. We're family now, aren't we, Frank? Sure, he said. Do I get a kiss? Hazel laughed, but there was nervous tension in it. Anyway, what do we do now? Percy took a deep breath. Time was slipping away. They're almost halfway through June 23rd, and tomorrow was the Feast of Fortuna. I've got to contact a friend to keep my promise to Ella. 
How? Frank said. One of those iris messages? Still not working. Percy said. I tried it last night at your grandmother's house. No luck. Maybe it's because my memories are so jumbled, or the gods aren't allowing a connection. I'm hoping I can contact my friend in my dreams. Another bump of turbulence made him grab his seat. Below them, snow-capped mountains broke through a blanket of clouds. I'm not sure I can sleep, Percy said, but I need to try. We can't leave Ella by herself with those ogres around. Yeah, Frank said. You've still got hours to fly. Take the couch, man. Percy nodded. He felt lucky to have Hazel and Frank watching out for him. What he'd said to them was true. He trusted them. In the weird, terrifying, horrible experience of losing his memory and getting ripped out of his old life. Hazel and Frank were the bright spots. He stretched out, closed his eyes, and dreamed he was falling from a mountain of ice toward a cold sea. The dream shifted. He was back in Vancouver, standing in front of the ruins of the Zhang Mansion. The lost Dragonians were gone. The mansion was reduced to a burned-out shell. A crew of firefighters was packing up its equipment, getting ready to move out. The lawn looked like a war zone, with smoking craters and trenches from the blown-out irrigation pipes. At the edge of the forest, a giant shaggy black dog was bounding around, sniffing the trees. The firefighters completely ignored him. Beside one of the craters knelt a cyclops in oversized jeans, boots, and a massive flannel shirt. His messy brown hair was spattered with rain and mud. When he raised his head, his big brown eye was red from crying. Close, he moaned. So close, but gone. It broke Percy's heart to hear the pain and worry in the big guy's voice. But he knew they only had a few seconds to talk. The edges of the vision were already dissolving. If Alaska was the land beyond the gods, Percy figured the farther north he went, the harder it would be to communicate with his friends, even in his dreams. Tyson, he called. The Cyclops looked around frantically. Percy? Brother? Tyson, I'm okay. I'm here. Well, not really. Tyson grabbed the air like he was trying to catch butterflies. Can't see you. Where's my brother? Tyson, I'm flying to Alaska. I'm okay. I'll be back. Just find Ella. Ella. She's a harpy with red feathers. She's hiding in the woods around the house. Find a harpy? A red harpy? Yes. Protect her, okay? She's my friend. Get her back to California. There's a demigod camp in the Oakland Hills. Camp Jupiter. Meet me above the Caldecott Tunnel. Oakland Hills, California, Caldecott Tunnel. He shouted to the dog, Mrs. O'Leary, we must find a harpy. Woof, said the dog. Tyson's face started to dissolve. My brother's okay? My brother's coming back? I missed you. I miss you too. Percy tried to keep his voice from cracking. I'll see you soon. Just be careful. There's a giant army marching. Tell Annabeth. The dreams shifted. Percy found himself standing in the hills north of Camp Jupiter, looking down at the field of Mars and New Rome. At the Legion's fort, horns were blowing. Campers scrambled to muster. The giant's army was arrayed to Percy's left and right. Centaurs with bull's horns. The sixth armed or earthborn, an evil cyclops in scrap metal armor. The Cyclops' siege tower cast a shadow across the feet of the giant polyboats, who grinned down at the Roman camp. 
He paced eagerly, snakes dropping from his green dread, dead, dead dreadlocks, his dragon legs stomping down small trees. On his green-blue armor, the decorative, the decorative faces of hungry monsters seemed to blink in the shadows. Yes, he chuckled, planting his trident in the ground. Blow your little horns, Romans, I've come to destroy you. Steno! The gorgon scrambled out of the bushes. Her lime green viper hair and bargain mark vest clashed horribly with the giant's color scheme. Yes, master, she said. Would you like a puppy in a blanket? She held up a tray of free samples. Hmm, Bollywood said. What sort of puppy? Uh, they're not actually puppies. They're tiny hot dogs and crescent rolls, but they're on sale this week. Bah! Never mind then. Are our forces ready to attack? Oh, oh. Steno stepped back quickly to avoid getting flattened by the giant's foot. Almost. Great one. Ma Gasket and half her Cyclops stopped in Nap Na Napa. Something about a winery tour? They promised to be here by tomorrow evening. What? The giant looked around as if just noticing that a big portion of his army was missing. Gah! The Cyclops woman will give me an ulcer winery tour? I think there was cheese and crackers too, Steno said helpfully. The bargain mart has a much better deal. Polybuds ripped, uh, ripped, ripped an oak tree out of the ground and threw it into the valley. Cyclops, I tell you, Steno, when I destroy Neptune and take over the oceans, we will renegotiate the Cyclops labor contract. Ma Gasket will learn her place. Now, what news from the north? The demigods have left for Alaska, Steno said. They fly straight to their death. A small death, I mean. Not a prisoner death. Although, I suppose they're flying to him too. Polyboat growled. Alcyonius had better spare the son of Neptune as he promised. I want that one chained at my feet. So I can kill him when the time is ripe. His blood shall water the stones of Mount Olympus and wake the Earth Mother. What word from the Amazons? Only silence, Steno said. We do not know the winner of last night's duel, but it is only a matter of time before Atreira prevails and comes to our aid. Hmm. Polyboats absently scratched some vipers out of his hair. Perhaps it's just as well as we wait, then. Tomorrow at sundown is Fortuna's feast. By then, we must invade. Amazons are no. In the meantime, dig in. We set up camp here on high ground. Yes, great one, Steno announced to the troops. Puppies and blankets for everyone. The monster cheered. The monsters cheered. Polyboat spread his hands in front of him, taking in the valley like a panoramic picture. Yes, blow your little horns, demigods. Soon the legacy of Rome will be destroyed for the last time. The dream faded. Percy woke with a jolt as the plane started its descent. Hazel laid her hand on his shoulder. Sleep okay? Percy sat up groggily. How long was I out? Frank stood in the aisle, wrapping his spear and new bow in his ski bag. A few hours, he said. We're almost there. Percy looked out the window. A glittering inlet of the sea snaked between snowy mountains. In the distance, a city was carved out of the wilderness, surrounded by lush green forests on one side and icy black beaches on the other. Welcome to Alaska. Hazel said, we're beyond the help of the gods. And that's the end of chapter 30.
seven. That was definitely a very fascinating chapter. I wonder, I want, I truly wonder whether Percy's able to dream the way he's able to be an omniscient viewer when he's dreaming, like he's able to like see what is happening in other parts of in other areas is very fascinating to me uh, and the way he's able to communicate through his dreams i really wonder if this power is given to every single demigod because i do believe that even in the last series when percy was fighting against chronos he was also be he was also be able to be an omniscient viewer and be able to see what exactly was chronos planning throughout his dreams and that might have also been a really big help to him throughout the war against chronos and it seems that his dream his power of dreams might also come out and help him and the entire uh crew as well romans and greeks hopefully combined i have a strong feeling that they'll that those dreams will come again and help help a lot because it's a very fascinating power and a very strong power it's a very it's a very valuable like power and i wonder if he got it directly from neptune or if he have had gotten it from somewhere else that's truly a question that i had and you know seeing i'm reading after this chapter after seeing percy's omniscient dream come again to life that really brought up the question but other than that that was a very that was an amazing episode and i truly wonder how they're going to be able to survive alaska i do remember in percy's dream steno said something d death day was planned for the trio hopefully they're able to get through that hopefully they're able to fight whatever is thrown their way and they're able to free thanatos because that's probably the only way they're going to be able to help everybody else how hilla will be able to beat Autrera, how monsters will continue to stay dead for a long time and yeah so next week we'll read chapters uh 37 and 38 and 39 i believe and we'll just have to see how the the rest of this goes so until next week stay safe and stay out of boredom